Welcome to Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message, and we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1030. We're located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After listening to this message, take a moment to browse our website for current and upcoming events. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The year for Daniel is 602 B.C. And we've seen our four boys. They've been planted into, you know, they're so talented. And their talents are excelling in, in, you know, in Babylon. And they're planted into this really weird place, 900 miles away from from where, you know, the real home is in Jerusalem. And they will serve a, a pagan government for the rest of their lives. And, and really, God will place them in the highest levels of this Babylonian uh, government. And, and they've gotten the highest level of, of the education so far. And they're excelling, and, and they're doing their very best here. And God gave them knowledge and skill. And to Daniel, he gave understanding about dreams. And, and, you know, and it's a good thing because Nebuchadnezzar, as we learned last week, had this terrible, terrible dream. And he, you know, it's almost to the point where he doesn't even remember it. He, he might remember bits and pieces. We're not really sure. But all we know is he's kind of freaked out. So he's a very grumpy, grumpy king at this point. He doesn't know what the dream means. So he calls in all his experts and, and you know, tell me the dream that I had and what it means. And they're like, whoa, wait, wait a second, king. Um, that's not quite how it works. You tell us the dream, and then we tell you what it means. That's the way it works. And he goes, no, 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 no. I want to find out if you guys are really, truly who you say you are. You tell me the dream and what it means. So he has a fight with these guys, and they're saying, no, 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 we're legit. And he's going, no, 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 no. You're not legit. In fact, I'm going to cut you up in pieces. This includes Daniel and him. Daniel and his three friends, you know, are scheduled for execution. And they, you know, they just basically got uh, into this division and all of a sudden they're literally getting budget cuts. Yeah, Yeah, I I couldn't help myself. But Arioch, you remember Arioch? Arioch, you know, he's the head executioner, comes to the door and he's, he's knocking. And, you know, the, you know, but instead of, of shaking in his boots and, and asking for a cigarette, he, st- he negotiates. And he's an amazing negotiator here because he gets the executioner to allow him to actually go to the king. I mean, once the king's given the order, the order's been sent. I mean, you don't go and negotiate. But Daniel's, with God's blessing, is being able to do this. He, he talks himself into the throne room. And this is just amazing to me. This is just like the, 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 the disciples in the book of Acts. Remember that Jesus was, was called in before the Sanhedrin, and, and they condemned him and worked with the Roman government to, to get him executed, to get him you know, crucified on the cross. And later, the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit, are talking to these very same people. We're talking about the, exactly the same people. There wasn't a change in leadership during that time. The disciples are standing in, in front of them saying, we're not going to obey you either. And this is what Daniel's doing here. He's so brave. He goes into the king's palace and he says, hey king, you need to chill a bit. Okay, now I'm ad-libbing. It doesn't say that in there. But he goes in and he talks with them. You're about to kill a lot of good people, including me, and I don't like that. So I'll tell you what, give me a day, and I'm going to go home, and me and my buddies are going to pray about it, and I will make you a promise. 
If you will calm down and stop killing people tonight, I will come back and tell you what the dream is because my God will give me what I'm asking for. My God will tell me the dream and the interpretation. Well, the king's like, okay. So Daniel goes home and asks a small group of his friends to pray specifically for this. First of all, that God would, would tell them the dream. And then that God would give them the interpretation of that dream. And that they would be able to see all the beautiful Babylonian sunrises from that point forward. So Daniel and his three friends, you know, who are about 19 or 20 years old, and, you know, they're amazing that they've discovered at this age the power of prayer. I think of all the different things that I might have done in this situation. You know, I probably would have been shooting a lot of prayers up. You know, I'm just that type of person. But at the same time, I would have been scrambling trying to figure out how do I, how do I, Alan, fix this issue? I wouldn't just go to my house and call a prayer meeting and, and pray for a while. And yet, this is the biblical model. My natural tendency is not to do that. Our natural tendency is to go and fix things. How about you? Usually what we do is we tell all the people that we can find about our crisis while we're running around trying to fix it. But here's Daniel saying, guys, all we need to do here is pull away and pray to the Lord and he will tell us what to do. And actually, they have really nothing to lose by doing this. So they go and enter into prayer, which proves to us that Daniel and the boys believed in prayer and they understood prayer. They understood that prayer allows them to tap into the power of God. Prayer allows them to tap into the wisdom of God. It allows them to access the knowledge of God. Now, if we actually believe this, we would be doing a lot more of this, wouldn't we? We would, we would tap into it. And, and we use that phrase a lot. You know, we need to tap into this. We need to, to be able to get into this. Or, you know, the, the word tap into. And it's really a pub word, you know, a, you know, a saloon word. So we don't necessarily preach on it a lot. I don't go, oh, what am I going to preach on? Let's, let's get that word out. But a tap is a portable spigot. It is called a tap because you tap it into the keg. Now, I was raised Southern Baptist, so I'm, I'm thinking of a keg of Welch's, Welch's grape juice, okay? I don't know what your heathen minds are thinking about. <laughs> but this bartender, the bartender owned a, a soft mallet. And he would take the tap, he would put the, the, the keg on its side, or on its end actually, and, and then take that soft mallet and slowly tap that into the keg. Why? To be able to control the flow of the keg. He can't just go grab an axe and just bust open the end. All of it would come spilling out. So we have this keg of God's wisdom, of God's knowledge, of God's power, of God's plan, and it's sitting right there in my pub. And all I have to do is tie, uh, tap into it. And we have, you know, we have all these microbreweries to keep going on this thought pattern, which I probably should get off. But we have all these microbreweries at home, and we have all of God's wisdom just sitting on the shelf there collecting dust while we're just freaking out. We're, we're you know, watching Oprah to try to figure out what to do or, or when's Dr. Phil coming on because, man, I hope he covers my topic. I really need some help on this. Can you imagine the angels observing us? Just shaking their head going, what in the world? Hey, Gabriel, do you see this? Prayer allows us to tap into 
And if we really believed it, we would do it more often. And we say, well, I believe it. And part of my answer, part of me, and and maybe I shouldn't say this because I'm a pastor, but part of me says, no, you don't. And there's times when I look at myself and say, no, I don't, because we don't do enough of it. If you believe something, you act upon it. I love the classes, know what you believe. We know what we believe. Just look at ourselves, watch our actions. We already know what we believe. How do you know what you believe? Just think about how you act. Are you, are you tracking with me on that? The classes should be titled, Know What You Should Have Been Believing All Along. Or the title, My Life Is Screwed Up Because I'm Doctrinally, doctrinally Incorrect. These classes I would actually go to. Not know what you believe. I already know what I believe. I believe, the, I believe that TV is good for you. How do, how do I know that? Because I watch too much of it. I believe that, that I can watch for cops in my rearview mirror and I can speed. Why? Because sometimes I do that. This is my belief system. This is my doctrine. I mean, think about what you do in your life. That is your belief system. That is your doctrine. If you want to see what Alan's doctrine is, just watch me. Not too closely. I also believe that when I'm in a bad mood, I can take it out on others. How do you know he believes that? Well, have you seen me in a bad mood? You see, not only does prayer tap you into the power of God, it also taps you into the peace of God. Peace which, which does something to all understanding. What does peace do? It surpasses all understanding. It goes beyond all understanding. We tap into and drink enough power of God and we surpass These boys in Daniel 2.19 believed in small group prayer. And the reason we know they believed in small group prayer is because they are doing it. They knew who to call when they entered into an impossible situation. And there's times when the situation is impossible. Now, unfortunately in America, we are so individualistic. We love to isolate ourselves, don't we? Man, when we got a problem, we just kind of go in our little hole because we have to fix it. I have to fix it. We just kind of, you know, go into ourselves. And this is not a biblical model. This is not a New Testament model and certainly not an Old Testament model. What we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be believing. And most of us, I dare say, do not believe enough in this yet. It was because when we hit a tough situation, we should be contacting two or three others, two or three close friends, usually of the same, uh, same sex, and, and that have opened up to us, that we've shared with, that we've spent some time with. Maybe they've, they've even grieved with us, or they've laughed with us, they've eaten with us. Maybe they've even vacationed with us. We have a relationship. And one of the most unhealthy things in the church today is that we truly don't believe this. When we do believe it, we should all be able to say, this is a small group. I can name all four or five people, two or three people. This is who I go to when I get in times of trouble or I get in times of difficulty or I'm just feeling down. We're not just reading a book together. We're actually getting to know each other. We're not just studying the Bible together. We're going beyond that and building a relationship. And when we do this, we're helping each other out. We're starting to talk to Jesus more. And Jesus is the one who actually solves our problems. We are believing it and we're actually doing it. 
So let me ask you this. In your mind, do you actually believe what I just said? Do you believe in the Bible where it says where two or three are gathered in my name, I join them? Do you believe that? Well, okay. Then how come you've been coming for months sometimes and say, how come I feel so far from God? If you were saying that this morning, you should be getting together with two or three other people and saying, I feel far from God. Pray for me. Because too often, we get to a point where we feel so far from God, what do we do? We isolate ourselves. We start going away from God. We get further and further away. And then we should be praying with them. So now, let's take it, let's travel it from our head to our hearts. Because a lot of times, I know stuff up here, oh man, I, I know, I'm, I'm full of useless information. Sometimes, that useful information makes it down to my heart. Sometimes. And that is our goal here. Loving the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's all, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge entity. It's not just one little, uh, one little part. Now, if a person says, I do believe this, but I'm just too busy, then what this person is saying is, I believe in busyness. Busyness is my religion. They say that I believe in busyness more than I believe in prayer. You know, we could learn something from other religions. Uh, One of the religions is Islam. They sit down and they kneel and they pray toward their God, which I don't believe in, five times a day. Man, what if we as Christians started praying to our God, the one true living God, five times a day? If you're doing it, great. But man, we could actually learn from this. We could actually be doing this. It'd be good for us to be praying more often. Okay, so you're thinking, where is he going with this? These guys believed and lived out their lives. So we could read this story 2,600 years later and tell what they believed. And even know that they, you know, even though that they, they don't even tell us what they truly believe in, they, you know, it's just obvious what they believe in. Because they, they, they prayed to their God. They lived out their life according to what they believed. The other day, I, I went to Target with my wife and buying a few things and didn't get a basket. And one of the things is my wife and I, we, we, when we go on vacation, anytime we're gone and out and, and shopping or whatever, I always have a book with me because if my wife's shopping for clothes or anything like that, I sit down and I read. And an hour later, no, I'm joking. But I always tuck the book underneath my arm and I carry it around like that. Well, we were in Target, and I didn't have a basket, so, you know, I, I was uh, one of the rare times I actually don't buy books that often. I, I grabbed a book, and I stuck it under my arm as we were walking around. Went and paid. The book is still underneath my arm. I get out to the car. The book is still underneath my arm. I stick it in the car. I didn't even think about it. Well, I get home. I look at the receipt, and I'm going, oh, man, I didn't pay for that book. So it's easy to be able to say something like, Man, how many times have I actually forgotten my coupons when I went down there? It's so easy to justify certain things. I'm sitting there going, no, no, Alan, get that thought out of your head. So I, so I went back, and, and the next time we were there, I, I went and got that book, you know, another book, the same book, and I came up and I said, well, go ahead and scan this, but I don't need it. And the lady's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, well, yeah, I know I'm crazy, but still do this. And, and she goes, why? And I said, well, because I accidentally walked out with one the other day. And there was an older lady behind me, and she goes, 
I am just so proud of you, I can't see straight. <laughs> and I'm th- literally, I'm walking off. I tell my wife, I said, let's get out and get in the car before she gets in, because if she can't see straight... <laughs> We act upon what we believe. Now think about this. What three strategies would the enemy you know, use on you to keep you from acting on what you believe? Upon what I've shared to you, about what, you know, what the Holy Spirit is telling you. And if you're writing notes, write down three things that the enemy would use on you. If I was the devil, this is a strategy that I would use against you. To keep me from prayer. And if you know those three things, then you can watch out for them. Well, let's jump into Daniel 2. I have my sermon here. Get to the scripture. Daniel 2, 18. He urged them to plead for mercy from, from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends not, might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So there's already executions going on. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a dream. God gave Daniel a vision where God told him the details of Nebuchadnezzar's dream as well as the interpretation. And the scripture is very clear here. The interpretation is very clear. It was revealed to Daniel. It does not say that that Daniel, as he was sleeping, came up with his own theories and opinions and God confirmed those theories and opinions in the morning. Scripture does not say that, that Daniel worked it out about, you know, in his head about 2 a.m. and then therefore he was re- able to sleep the rest of the night. Scriptures say that Daniel put his head on the pillow that night not having a clue. And I don't know if you've ever been there. Put your head down and you're thinking, I, I just don't have a clue. In the exhaustion of trying to solve the problem, not having a clue what to do, and during the night, the, you know, the God of heaven, the, the, the Lord of this universe, gave him the complete solution. So when he woke up, he totally had it. And I read this and I thought, oh man, I wish I could do this at night. I wish I could lay on my pillow and say, God, these are the things that I haven't been able to solve. Can you help me out? So as I read this, As I was studying this, I thought, man, that that would be so nice to go to bed at night and wake up in the morning knowing how to solve the problem. And the Lord spoke back to me and said, yeah, it would be a little bit, you know, it would be nicer if you were a little bit more like Daniel, Alan. Hmm. Because then I could do that for you as well. Wait a minute. I am a lot like him. And I could just hear the Lord laughing, going, okay, sure, Alan. You see, the Lord just doesn't show up in chapter 2, verse 19, and solve the problem. Daniel had showed up in Daniel 1 and Daniel 2 before this happened. God had already been there with Daniel through all of this. We know that, you know, we have known Daniel for three years in the story, and I know it's only been like a week that we've studied Daniel, maybe a few more. But for three years, Daniel has been connecting with God. And what has he done so far? Well... At 15, he excelled in Jerusalem to the point that the Babylonians picked him out and he passed their test. So he went to Babylon and learned several new languages. And he, you know, so he, during this, he excels and he really he gets a really cool job upon graduation. He's built great, you know, great relationships with, you know, like-minded people. So these guys in Daniel 2.19 are way more mature than they were in Daniel 1.1. 1, 1. 
God has been talking to them all along. What they've been doing is keeping their part clear of distractions. And now, all of a sudden, it is way more important their relationship with God than ever before. It's like a satellite dish. I'm not comparing them to a satellite dish, but go with me on this one. It's like a satellite dish is pointed in the right direction. If it's pointed in the right direction, there's no problem. But when it's not, instead of a show, what do you get? You get snow on your screen. You don't get the show anymore. Well, Daniel's dish is pointed in the right direction. So when the storm comes, it's bolted down. It doesn't move. It's not like a satellite dish. I had one that the, the, the deals were loose. And it was just like, if I missed a show, I had to go out there and, you know, knock it over and get it going. And all I had to do is get out the ladder and go up there and bolt it down. But no, of course, I just get the long pole out and beat the sucker. I'm a guy. But when a storm comes for Daniel, his satellite dish is bolted down. It doesn't move. So I ask myself, is there anything in me that is blocking the transmission to God? If I am that dish, has bad religion kind of installed me in the wrong direction? Has the storms of life loosened my bolts, uh, you know, and so I've moved a little? Our bird nest has gotten up there and kind of blocked part of the dish. What is happening that is blocking my transmission between me and God? So if God wanted to say something, would I actually hear him? So when we read this and say, man, it it would be so nice if God acted that way and God treated me that way. I wish God would answer me. I thank God that we would read this story about Daniel and I say, man, man, I, 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 I wish... I can imagine God saying, man, I I miss that there's not more people like Daniel. I wish there was more people that would point their dish toward me. See, our problem is we want to fix it ourselves instead of calling a guy out to do it correctly. Instead of calling the dish guy and say, hey, can you come fix my dish? We get out there with a pole and we're beating on it. The same thing with our spiritual problems. We're getting a pole and we're beating on it instead of calling to the one who can fix our things, which are Jesus. Are you pointed in the right direction? During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel rushed to the throne room to tell the king what was up. Or then Daniel ran to some friends to to brag about how God communicated with him. No. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and disposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with Him. I thank and praise God, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made me known to you've made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. This is what Daniel did right after God solved the problem for him. I think this would be the last thing that I would do. I think I'd be running to the king. I think I'd be running to the throne room instead of sitting down and writing God a psalm. I mean, the impatient king is waiting. You know he's not sleeping. If it disturbed him that much, you, st- you know he hasn't laid his head to the pillow afraid that he's going to have another dream like that. Arioch is out sharpening all his axes. His friends have been up and, and praying. 
You know, I would have gone one of two directions. I would have either gone toward my friends, God revealed it to me, or I would have gone straight to the king. What Daniel did was, was not get together with his friends or go to the king. He praises the real king and says, I love you so much, God, right now that I can't stand it. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write you a song. So let me ask you a question that God asked me this week. Alan, what do you do right after I come through for you? Wouldn't you say there's been times when I've come through for you and I go, uh, well, I, I can remember a couple here and there, Lord. Duh. Okay, well, what do you do right after I come through for you? I'm like, well, I don't know. I, I can't remember. He goes, exactly. I've come through for you more times than you even know about. And even the times that you do know about, you dive right into that solution. And even times when when you say, okay, God, I got it from here. Thanks for your help. I got it. And there are times when when you're begging me for a solution. I I give you a solution and you keep begging because you don't like the answer and you think I'm going to change my mind. I'm God. I'm not going to do that. You will need to change. So you can do what I told you to do. But Lord, that option's the worst option out of the three that I gave you. I didn't even put it on my list because I didn't like it. Alan, didn't you ask for me to speak to you? Well, yes, Lord, but, but I told you what to say back. It always works better that way for me. And he says, Alan, you know what you've done other times? And at this point, I'm like going, oh, I shouldn't have even started down this road, Lord. And he goes, sometimes the answer has come, and you've gone out so quickly, you've forgotten who gave you that answer. You've gone out and you've shared how smart you are. And he says, you've taken my glory. Read any any book of the Bible, and you will see what happens when when we take God's glory. He doesn't like that. And he says, "You've, you've done it before, and you'll do it again. And you're not even very good at taking my glory. I I take your glory, Lord? He goes, yeah. You mean here at Valley Christian Church I've taken? He goes, yep. Then why do you allow me to still lead? He goes, that's because I'm gracious. And and Michael and Gabriel, the archangels and the other angels up there just shaking their heads. Do you know how you can tell if you're a Babylonian? This is the, the difference between Daniel and all these other guys. Well, you constantly talk about yourself. And when we're done with that subject, we talk about our kids. Or we talk about our husband or wife or our parent. It's all about us. Our entire goal is to let other people know how awesome we are. Don't be a Babylonian. Shall we please this week humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. So just possibly, even though we're hanging on on the edge, that somehow we allow the Spirit to come out of us and and to come and repair us so that we're repointed in the right direction. And then when God, uh, you know, tries to convict us, He doesn't, you know, we don't ignore Him. Or if God says, hey, go over there and do exactly this, and we actually go and do this. Or if God says, hey, just do it. We don't even question it. We're like, okay, Lord. And then, not not after the crisis passes, but while we're still in full swing of, of this huge crisis, 
we would stop and we would write him a song. In the middle of your crisis, have you ever thought about stopping and praising God? You see, the thing about Daniel that amazes me even more is that I have to learn to do, I have to learn what to do after the crisis so I can become more like Daniel. And God says, that won't make you more like Daniel. And I go, well, what will? And he says, Alan, write the song before the crisis. Or write the song during the crisis, not after it's all been solved. That's what will make you more like Daniel. Tell me how awesome I am before you go to that meeting. And here's what that song shall sound like. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. See, God holds a patent on wisdom and power. If something belongs to Him, then it doesn't belong to me. They're His. In fact, He allows me to access His, his patented, his, you know, his copyrighted wisdom, His copyrighted and, and proprietary power, you know, right of power. The fact that, that He allows this access for me, that means I'm really, I, I, I'm really cool because I, I have God's access. You know, I have the code to get in, but I don't own it. And if anybody tries to give me the credit, what automatically should come out of our mouths is, I didn't do that. I didn't accomplish that. That was God. You know, sometimes it's like, how well do you know me? I mean, well, Alan, you, you did a great job there. Really? How, how well do you know me? I did? Huh. Because you sound so shocked that I did a great job. Other times you don't think I do such a great job. But see, it it's all really goes back to God doing a great job. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. If the seasons change, God did it. If the air changes, God did it. He sets up kings and disposes them. That scary king that is in charge of this country that, that I live in, you know, God is not scared of him. He will remove him when he wants because God has more power and does not fear any earthly ruler. Imagine Daniel thinking this. Why is that evil king in charge? No, he's not in charge. God is in charge. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. So if you're truly earthly wise or discerning, then you know that it's you that's looking smart. And we like, to, we like to go, well, I'm pretty smart here. You have to know it's because God gave you that wisdom and that knowledge and that understanding. And we can be happy about that. In verse 22 it says, and, and he reveals deep and hidden things. So not only do I look smart, he reveals things to me that I don't even really have a clue about. He knows what lies in darkness. Well, darkness... Man, that's a hard one. Because so much of our lives, it's about darkness, isn't it? What turmoil am I going through? What is happening to my friend? What is happening to my family? And we feel like it's darkness. And we feel like, man, I live in Babylon. God knows that we're in this darkness. Because His light dwells with Him. Because light dwells with Him. So whatever is light to me or dark to me, 
It's, no so, it's not so dark to Him. If I want to get out of the darkness, I just run to Him. If I want to you know, get to the light, I just go to Jesus. He doesn't stay in one place and go, hey, hey, come, come to the light. Oftentimes, He's coming toward us as we're going toward Him. Verse 23, it says, I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You know, it's, this is not a new God. It's not like we go, oh, I didn't like the God of my youth and the family that, the, you know, the, that the family taught me. And, you know, I invented another one. I took all the religions and I, I took the good parts of every religion and, and put it all and I made my own God. Well, that God is as big as your mind is. And guess what? My God is a lot bigger than, than your mind or my mind. We can't invent a new God. Oh, God of my fathers, you have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we, what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. So before I take this to the king, before everyone starts to think that I am the best and I figured this out and, and Daniel is a great man, before I'm going to go and, and blow the king's socks off or sandals off with this great presentation, honestly, God, you told me the dream and the interpretation. Now, that's going to be fun, but I want to make it straight, you know, want to make it clear here, God, you gave this to me, and I praise you for that. I'm going to go in, and I'm going to do Act 1, and the king's going to be like, wow, and I'm going to go, it's not over yet. Let me show you Act 2. I'm going to interpret it for you. And he's going to give me a promotion, and I'm going to go, thank you, but you know what I'm not going to do? Before I even tell you the dream, king, I'm going to tell you who I got this wisdom and knowledge from. And I'm going to leave you hanging a little bit, king, because I want to make this clear. This knowledge did not come from from three years of your ridiculous classes of divination and looking at the stars and all those things that you think are so wonderful. It did not come because of any of that. This knowledge did not come to me because you rescued me from Jerusalem and brought me to what you call civilization. This knowledge came from the God of my fathers who was worshipped back in Jerusalem and one day will be worshipped by you, king. This is what Daniel's going to tell him. And what is so ironic is the king lights the dream. Even though the giant in the dream, and I'm getting way ahead of myself, but the giant literally gets you know, destroyed in the dream and all that, the, the interpretation that he talks about the future. The king loves it because the, the, the giant's head is made of gold, and that's who Nebuchadnezzar is. He tells him, your head is, you know, you're, you're the head, you're, you're the gold part. And Nebuchadnezzar's all happy about it, ignoring the fact that it gets destroyed. The king has a huge ego, and it's the exact opposite of Daniel's. Daniel, on a regular basis, humbles himself before the Lord. And I want to end with this. I don't want you to walk away feeling like, man, this is an impossible. There, there's no way I can get, I, there's no way I could be a Daniel. There's no way I could be a John. There's no way I could be a Peter or, or any of the disciples. There's no way I could be a Paul. There's no way I could, you know, be an Esther. There's no way. It seems impossible if you look at my, my life. You look at, if I look in the mirror, I don't see Daniel. I don't see Esther. I don't see Ruth. Because we're so slow to learn. 
See, God knows that. He even said it to the disciples. He says to John, near the end, he tells John, you, you, you are slow to learn. I mean, this is the apostle John. You are slow to learn, Christ says to him. So there is hope for us. All you need to, be do, all you need to do is be willing to pray, listen, and learn. And then put it into action. Now, when you put it into action, we all want to do full force this whole, okay, here's my grand scheme. I want to be there, so I need to put that into action. It doesn't quite work like that. You choose one thing, and you go, okay, this next week, that's what I'm going to work on. That's the part. Maybe it's going to God. Maybe it's finding those three friends. Maybe it's, you know, those two or three friends to pray with. Whatever it is, that, that's my step that I need to take. And by next week, you ought to be able to go, okay, I sort of did that step. Or, hey, I accomplished that step. And if you sort of did it, you go, okay, I'm going to work on this. I need to continue going forward. Or if it's, man, I I accomplished this. Okay, what's my next step? That's how you get to be a Daniel. That's how you get to be a Ruth. Little steps. And we go, in the end, we turn around and we go, how did I ever get to this place? And people are coming to us and going, lead me down that path. That is an awesome thing to mentor other people down that path toward God. That's what you can do. It takes one step at a time. Let's pray. Lord, you're an an awesome God. You blow my mind away with stuff. Stuff that I don't understand and you reveal to me that you allow me to, to understand that's a part of you. I pray, Lord, for those that are sitting out here going, man, I I just don't even know where to start. I pray that you give them one thing to start with, Lord. One thing that they can say, I want to give this over to God. Maybe it's just talking with you, Lord. And I pray that you respond back to them in a way that they clearly see that it is you. They clearly understand that you are alive. They clearly understand that you are God of this universe. And they'll want even more of you, Lord. I thank you for these people, Lord. I thank you that you brought us together, and I pray that you you mold us into a family, a family that reflects your will, your desires, your laughter, your hurts, your pains. Pray, Lord, that we understand you more and more each day. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you when you feel like you're in the middle of darkness and you don't understand that when you walk toward the light, that he will reveal himself. May his face never turn from you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.